Hey y'all, it's Barb. It's Shay. We're here to talk about a murder that's gonna knock you off your feet. So giddy up y'all, this is gonna be a wild one. Hi listeners, it's been a crazy week so far and we are hoping you guys have had a blessed week and if not, we hope things changed around for you because it's been a crazy year this year. But anyways, how's it going Shay? It's going good. Can be better. How are you? Um, it's going good too. Always thankful that um, we're just one day away from Friday. <laughs> um, before I get started, I would like to announce that the voting episode for this month is now closed. Um, bum, bum, bum. Yes. So <laughs> if you didn't vote, super sorry, but try again next month. Um, there's always going to be opportunities. And if you did vote, we thank you. And most definitely thank you. Um, to everyone who actually put in recommendations for stuff they would like to hear as well. We've yeah. received tremendous amounts of feedback, and we truly do love this. Um, we love doing these episodes for you guys. We love interacting with you and making sure you are heard. Also, do not forget to order any merch you'd like, and be sure to enter in to win a free pop socket on Facebook, and that will end, um, and the drawing will happen at the end of this month. I got all of my information from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and the Dallas Observer website. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started with today's case. Today's episode, we will be covering the murders of Rick and Susanna Wamsley, I think is how you say their last name, and if that's not correct, so sorry. <laughs> And they were living in Mansfield, Texas back in 2003, which I really think is weird because, Shay, you just covered a case where um, they were murdered in 2003. I, I know. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it weird? Yeah. I, you okay. know, I, and we don't like pre-read each other's things. So that's really weird that it was like the same year. <laughs> yes, I think so, too. Really weird. Okay. Anyways, but... Rick and Susanna were described by family and friends as pretty much really outgoing. They were very kind and sweet and friendly people. Um, a lot of people I was able to find spoke really highly of them. I didn't really find any negative um, comments or things that people would say, which I think speaks volumes on people. They spoke highly of each of them and even stated that whenever you needed someone, they were there to rescue you. They were basically the, quote, perfect neighborhood couple. Rick was described as a handsome, tall high school athlete back in the day, and that's where he actually met Susanna, his wife. After they graduated, they married two years later in the year of 1978. Rick then went off to college and attended the University of Oklahoma, and Susanna went off and studied art at Oklahoma Christian College. She was described as vibrant, beautiful, and always smiling. She had curly hair, and it had like a reddish tint to it, and according to her friend, she was always getting compliments on it. The friend who spoke highly of the Wamsleys was one couple to have been actually neighbors to them. I don't know if they're like next door neighbors or across the street neighbors, but they were, they live really close. 
And they were really, really good friends. And this woman was none other than Patty Clark. Supposedly, the Clarks and another neighbor, as well as the Wamsleys, always celebrated holidays together. So I think it was like a family tradition for them. And it became a yearly thing where they would celebrate, I think, Christmas. I don't know about any other holiday, but Christmas was pretty much a a thing for them. Mm -hmm. Leg was, and that's their last name. Um, the legs were the other neighbor I had mentioned before. So it was the legs, the Wamsleys and the Clarks that would pretty much all get together. They stated that she, and this was the leg, the wife, she stated that she went over to the Wamsleys house on December 9th, 2003. And she reported seeing Rick finishing up the Christmas lights and anything else that needed touch-ups. Um, I think from what I can find that this year they had, they had like rotations where they would host the different um, Christmas events. And this year was the Wamsleys, I believe um, that the murder took place and they usually would get together and like swap Christmas presents and eat, you know, the fun stuff Mm -hmm. on December 11th, just two days later, Patty Clark arrived home at around 9 o'clock at night and noticed that Susanna and Rick didn't have their lights blazing as usual. She noted it and in her head she thought, okay, this is pretty weird and odd because they literally just fin- finished up decorating. And it seemed out of normal for them because they were very Christmassy, like always had them on. So she took note of that. She assumed that maybe Rick and Susanna had gone out for the evening. I don't remember reading if she saw a car parked in the driveway or not. That that wasn't noted. Um, but that's what just kind of she assumed since the lights were off. Clark? Yeah, and also if the lights, I feel like even if they were gone, they would still have the lights on. They seemed like they would be the type of people to have them on no matter what. As soon as it turns dark, it's on. Kind of like Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Even in Christmas for us, when we leave, I keep my lights on, you know. Yeah. Just for everybody to see them as they drive by. I mean, you put in the hard work. Why wouldn't you leave them on? Exactly. Yeah. So Clark was up pretty early the next morning, which was the 12th. She said one of her sons arrived early. I think her son's friend arrived early um, that morning and asked her, what's going on? Quote, what's going on next door? She peered outside and noticed police cars parked outside the Wamsley's house. Um, She had reported and was saying that there were like the lights and everything were still going on. I don't think there was noise happening, but they were still, you know, blinking the red and blue. And there's just several cops outside. So she went outside and was like, okay, what's happening here? Apparently, someone made a phone call to 911 that previous night around 1140 p.m., but never said anything. So the police actually just assumed that either the phone disconnected or they just put the phone down um, and walked away. So the police were still dispatched to the scene and ended up arriving somewhere at like around five minutes later, give or That's take. quick. <laughs> yes, they arrived quick. I guess you never know, like receiving that 911 call, you could assume like what if somebody is in the house and you can't say anything. Yeah. And you could potentially be getting murdered or if it was a child, like a child and they called 911 but couldn't speak, you know? Yeah, but, you know, 
the police arrival times are not always great either way. But yeah. the five minutes is a really good time. Yes, I thought so too. So um, that's what I was able to find, but it ultimately didn't help the situation. Um, oh. As the police got there, they noticed the garage door and the and the door inside the garage leading like inside was unlocked. So after no one answered the front door, cause they were knocking on the front door, but nobody answered, they decided, okay, we're going to enter through the garage. And this is what they discovered. Susanna was lying on the living room couch. She appeared to have a gunshot wound to her left ear and was stabbed approximately 18 times in the chest. Rick was discovered only wearing his boxer shorts and was shot in the back and the face and was also stabbed several times. The police noticed two different bloody shoe prints throughout the entryway, living room, and dining room area. So they could obviously assume that there had been more than at least or at least two or more perpetrators. They also took notice that there seemed to be no signs of forced entry and nothing seemed to have been stolen. So you could pretty much assume there had at, at least been two perpetrators and um, that for me, I feel like whoever entered the home, they knew because there was no forced entry. Yeah, I think so too. Yes. So who do you really think could have done something like this? You know, to be in this, like, they were in like a nicer neighborhood, right? Yes. So you can, you can probably think that maybe they also, you could say they also felt safe there. So maybe they just left their door unlocked for anybody to walk in. And if it's in a nicer neighborhood, honestly, it could be anyone. It could be their so-called friends. It could have been just some random robbers that just realized the door was open or found out what they did. But it's weird because like um, Rick's felt more personal than Susanna's. Like Rick was literally shot in the face. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I know she was, she was stabbed more times, but I feel like his was a little bit more personal but, and especially, like, she was laying on the couch. So, they attacked her, like, randomly, I feel like. Yes. So, I feel like they let themselves in. I don't know if they were just over there. So, I don't know. I'm ready well, to see. I mean, I'm listening. I think those are all good ideas, honestly. Um, now, now, Susanna was shot in the left ear. But it would soon be found out that the person shooting the gun was aiming for her head. But they did not know how to aim correctly even though they were a few feet away and you know from the gun moving as you shoot it um it clipped the left ear um so they were all pretty personal um with that being said the city of Mansfield was literally shot to their core and many people thought maybe there were literally psycho crazy killers on the loose um turns out Susanna and Rick actually had children what yes i didn't mention that before because i thought i would save it for a little bit later to see what you thought could have maybe happened but yes they actually had two children and the one charged with their murder would be none other than their 19 year old son andrew not only that but andrew's girlfriend chelsea richardson and two friends named Susanna 
and Hilario would all plan to kill Rick and Susanna. However, Hilario would really only be like implemented into the crime by providing the gun that ultimately killed the both of them. Police even discovered that they also planned to kill Sarah, which is Andrew's sister, but she wasn't even home at the time that the murder took place. The lead detective on the case, which was Ralph Sandifer, stated that one of the biggest breaks in the case happened to be that the DNA test results came back and showed evidence that, which was a, a clump of Susanna, which is the friend's hair, balled up inside Rick's fist. This led, according to Murderpedia, a domino effect, which would lead to the arrest of Susanna, Hilario, Andrew, and Chelsea. According to the autopsy results, they were able to determine that the Wamsleys had been dead for about 8 to 12 hours by the time the 911 call was actually made. So just think about that. As their their friend, the Clarks, arrived home at 9 p.m., she noted, okay, this is weird. Um, Their lights aren't on. Um, I'm going to take note of that and thought maybe they were out, but actually they were already pretty much dead. Oh my gosh. Yes. They are also able to conclude that the shots fired happened around 3 a.m., according to nearby neighbors reporting when they heard the gunshots going off. But, like, what actually happened? Like, you know, it all seems like the times and events are kind of interluding with one another. And I was able to find that the trio, which was Susanna, Chelsea, the girlfriend, and Andrew, the son, used the garage door opener to enter the house. This would also explain why there were no signs of forced entry. And as they entered, they'd find Susanna fast asleep on the couch, covered up with a blanket. This is where the fo- the first bullet would be fired. And like I said, it was at a pretty close range, only within a few feet from her. This bullet would ultimately hit her left ear and it killed her instantly. Um, which I really don't understand why they had to stab her so many times. If she, if it killed her instantly, maybe they didn't know that she was dead at that point. But that, and they're probably they're probably dumb nineteen year olds, and they don't know how to freaking use a gun. They shouldn't yes. even have it in their hand in the first place. Yes, I agree. Um, with that being said, um, that the autopsy did confirm that she was killed and didn't even realize what happened. So. I'm kind of grateful for that because she didn't have to endure the pain, you mm-hmm. know. As the first shooter killed Susanna, Rick was able to hear the shots being fired into the living room. So this is when the husband woke up and he, like they said, sprung out of bed trying to see what was going on. And ultimately, if his wife was just shot and if she was in danger, he was trying to help. As he was fleeing the bedroom, the shooter started firing at him. Um, but missed twice. I believe he was standing like in the doorway of the bedroom. He was able to manage to get into the hallway that was between the bedroom and the living room. However, when another shot was fired, this would have been the third time it was fired at him. And this one actually struck Rick. He was then stabbed repeatedly in the face, the arms, the back, and the chest. 
A trail of blood led all the way into the living room. So this gave signs that Rick did indeed fight. He fought until the ultimate finish, the ultimate blow that, you know, would take his last, that would he would take his last breath. So, you know, it, it's really sad to me to, to know that, you know, his wife gone so quickly and he didn't even realize it. He's just trying to get to her, you know, and, and see if she could be saved. That's why he fought through the bedroom, through the doorway, through the hallway, and made it all the way over there to where his wife was. Yeah, and this this case actually makes me very angry because, like, I don't know. I guess we'll talk about it towards the end. But that's so sad. I think so, too, you know. And, and he didn't give up. He did not give up until he literally just could not anymore. He was shot in the back of the head and stabbed um, – he was shot in the back and the head. So he was shot two times and he was stabbed 21 times. Then he finally collapsed in the entryway. After finishing Rick, the killers returned to Susanna, you know, after she had already been shot and everything and then began stabbing her, making sure that I guess she was completely dead. Maybe they didn't think she was dead, just being dumb teenagers that's so stupid even though the bodies were found eight to 12 hours later and no one has come forward to tell who actually called 911 police are assuming that andrew is the one who called um that he was basically being impatient for the police to find his parents bodies like i don't understand i I just don't understand like why were you waiting around that long in the same house did you come back to the house like he's a spoiled little 19 year old brat who literally is so stupid and killed his parents for what reason so i'm gonna tell you the exact reason why and this reason would have actually been a very very good motive um for murder um Turns out the Wamsleys had quite a bit of money. And when I say quite a bit, I mean a lot of money. We talked about earlier that they lived in a very nice neighborhood, which is very true. Um, They lived in a really, really nice home. With Rick and Susanna gone and Sarah, Andrew's sister, which he was trying to kill that very same night, but she was not there, he would inherit a $1.5 million estate. Oh my God. And uh, all that for, I get money is a a motive for a lot of things, but like, dude, your parents probably would have given you whatever you wanted if they were rich already. Why are you a spoiled little brat? So, um, you know, they did have money, but I was able to find in articles that his parents were actually really strict. They were nice and kind people, but on the children, they were really strict parents. And I don't know how far that goes. I don't know if strict to them is not what strict means to me. Um, You know, strict can mean a lot of different things, but that's what I was, Mm -hmm. you know, was finding. And assuming Andrew told his, like, I'm assuming that Andrew told his girlfriend because she was part of it as well, which was Chelsea and their friend Susanna, which I think they met through Chelsea. 
um, they set in motion a plot to kill both parents and his sister. So you can assume with an in, in, endurance such as that, or not endurance, but like an inheritance, just like that, the children <laughs> appeared like heavy on the police's radar. Um, Sarah and Andrew, you know, they, I think, both questioned, but then they quickly realized that Sarah had nothing to do with it. She was actually planning to get murdered. It was Andrew. And they would discover that their son was the one who plotted this evil crime against them. But could you imagine being the sister and like being alive and thinking my brother literally was trying to kill me just for a house, like just for an inheritance. Like I could not imagine that. Me either. And I honestly don't think that I would ever speak to my brother again. He would be completely cut off. Like basically I don't even know you, you know? Yeah, no. Well, so we're going to talk about a little bit of who the killers were. Um, we obviously know that, you know, who, what role they played, I guess, um, in terms of who was who. We know that it was their son, Andrew, who ultimately plotted the crime. Chelsea was Andrew's girlfriend at the time. Andrew's parents did not approve of their relationship. I was able to find that that's not something they agreed with. They didn't think Chelsea was right for their son. Um, so it was just not approved. She was born, um, in July of 1984 and she grew up in the working class neighborhood of Tarrant, Tarrant County. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) That or Tarrant. Yeah, that one. Um, which was, (laughs) I found the opposite of how he grew up. Um, anyway, Susanna was the friend who helped kill the Wamsleys, and she was born in September of 1984, so the same year as Chelsea. She was actually Chelsea's roommate at the time, and I think that's how they met, but I'm not 100% sure. She, according to police documents, was forced to shoot and stab the victims on the night of December 11th, 2003. I also found that Susanna had actually tried to to shoot at the Wamsley's Jeep, like at their gas tank on the night of November 9th, 2003. So only about a month earlier. And this was another attempt to kill them. This is how you know they really should not have guns, like have had guns. Well, Like they yeah. clearly don't know what the heck they're doing. Like these kids are a mess. Yes, I agree. And I mean... Um, it, I think it was really just Susanna that was firing the shot. So she shot at the, at the tank, the gas tank, trying to kill them, and it missed. And that was a month before, and then they plotted another way to, to kill them and, um, you know, get the money. And that would ultimately end their lives. And she was the one that carried out the actual murder. I mean, she held the gun. She fired the shots. They literally should all be in prison for the rest of their life. I don't even care. Yes, and they did get time. Um, um, not all their life, though. I don't. I'll share that with you in just a second. Um, Hilario was the person who actually supplied the gun for the killings. He didn't actually go at, with them to commit the crime. He just supplied the gun, and he was at. The- but sorry, did he know that what they were going to do with it? Yes, or he. Was I'm, just- I'm pretty oh, okay. sure he did. Um, like, why would you give a gun? And, like, why would you not ask, what do you need this gun for? And if they would have said, what you know, what they're planning to do, I would think that he was going to get some, maybe, like, a little money for it or something. Mm-hmm. 
That makes sense. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. And at the time, he was working at IHOP, and he was, like, the manager in, in somewhere in Arlington, Texas. You know, it's pretty sad to me because we know that a few of the killers were only, like, between 19 and 20 years old. They literally threw away their entire lives and the victims' lives in order to steal roughly $1.5 million. I mean, their efforts were literally, like, worthless. And they caused so much grief not only to um, the Wamsley's family but to the killer's family, you know, having to go through this grief knowing that you're kid or your loved one is going to be sentenced to jail for murdering two people and then the Clarks now you know grieving the loss of their friends and the leg family it's just like why and you can't even say like 1.5 million dollars because they were going for the estate what were they what do they think they were gonna do girl like were they gonna sell it or something like I don't I Girl, They're, I don't know. Honestly, this this case makes me mad because of how dumb all of these kids are. Like, how real... They're just all really stupid. And yes. So... I just can't with them. Well, I, I, you feel know, like, I feel like I'm becoming more dumb listening to how dumb they are. I mean, you know, also, I forgot to mention, I don't know how much exactly it was, but they were also going to inherit a, a, an amount of money, each Sarah and... um. Andrew, depending on, like, whenever they would pass. I don't know how much that money was, but it was morely focused on the $1.5 million estate, so I'm guessing it wasn't that much money. Well, he ain't getting it now, so... No, he definitely ain't getting it now. That's on it. <laughs> you know? Um, so, after the trial began, and police now had the killers in custody, this is, like, kind of what happened. In January 2005, so this would have been like roughly two years later, Susanna pled guilty in order to avoid the death penalty. In the month of May, so you fast forward four months later in 2000, oh wait, no, this, it was May 2006, so um, maybe like a, a little over a year later, I think. She was sentenced uh-huh. to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. As part of her plea deal, she then agreed to testify against Chelsea and Andrew, and she will be eligible for parole in the year of 2034. Hopefully she has coronavirus right now. I really hope she does. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> so Chelsea's trial began in May 2005. Um, so after it began, um, this was like about four months after Susanna's, I think. And literally after three hours of deliberation, only three hours, she was charged with capital murder. She was ultimately charged and given the death penalty or the death penalty by lethal injection. She became the first ever woman in, uh, Tarrant Tarrant County. (laughs) I don't know about that word in Tarrant (laughs) County to be sentenced with this. However, I think in December of 2011, her sentence was commuted to life in prison, and Andrew was convicted on March 5th, 2006, with capital murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. However, after submitting and barring a second appeal, he will now be eligible for parole in 2044. So, just these three here, you know, kind of 
gets me. I don't know if they were um, being trialed by like the same court, same jury type thing because they were like the like Susanna was before Chelsea's, and then Chelsea's I think was uh, before Andrews. But it's like, how are you going to give Chelsea the the lethal you know death by lethal injection but you're gonna let Susanna plead guilty to avoid it and then let her testify against Chelsea and Andrew when she's literally the one who stabbed them and and pulled the trigger also I feel like Andrew should have gotten the worst out of all of it he's the one who freaking decided all this I'm guessing I don't know I feel like maybe Chelsea and Susanna probably played a bigger part. Maybe they were, like, the ones who both did it. You know, I know Susanna did, was supposedly the one who did it. But I remember you saying she was forced to do it, which I highly doubt. Um, but, I don't know. I feel like it's all all about who your lawyer is and I think what so money you have. And I hope that Chelsea has coronavirus. I hope that... Um, Susanna has Ebola, and what I hope the? Andrew has has herpes or something. Because these oh no, honestly, God. like this, like whole, like I honestly think that their lawyers and if they had different, you know, uh, jury and judge, I think this is why it played out so differently. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really agree with the sentences, but I mean that's out of our hands. Um, I do want to talk about. Hilario, and he was charged with conspiracy of murder and was sentenced to 50 years in prison. However, he was eligible for parole in 2014, and he was denied parole in 2014. And then he was denied again in the year of, uh, wait, I'm sorry, back up. He was eligible for parole in 2014, but he was denied parole in 2016 and 2017. So he actually never got out. So I'm not sure what else has taken part in this case in terms of Hilario. But, you know, it still baffles me because he he was literally sentenced to 50 years by not even being there, just giving them the gun. Whereas freaking Andrew was sentenced in 2006, but is eligible for parole less than 40 years later how does hilario get more time than andrew that's what i'm thinking i was like this man got 50 years for giving them a gun like yes i don't understand dang. i don't understand um like i i want to stay continuing like re- like looking into this because maybe he will get out earlier and finish his time but it just baffles me and i honestly think this case is crazy and i and how you can not, like, get not just one person on board, like, your girlfriend on board so y'all could run away and be together, like, a lot of murder stories. But you literally got three other people on board to kill two innocent people. Uh-uh. They, I can't with this case. <laughs> yes, me either. I, I firmly believe they all agreed to some sort of payout to commit the crime. I'm sure... Um, what that payout was, you know, I have no idea. It didn't really say. However, mm-hmm. I know it wasn't worth the deaths of two lives and, and the grief that people are, are having to endure um, throughout the rest of their lives. I hope that the families all affected by this are doing their very best to move on and continue living their lives to their best abilities. I am glad that their killers were caught and are doing their punishment, and I hope it is maximized to the best account. 
I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know we always do. Until next time, listeners, we love you and always remember to stay out of dark areas and watch your back because you never know who's lurking. Bye. Bye.